Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, 24 Karat Conversations. Hey, peeps. We're so excited to be back today. Phyllis is going to do the intro for our guest because I you're friends am. with her. Because, well, first <laughs> of all, because friend. I met Peggy mm-hmm. Sue recently. We're in a mastermind together. And Peggy Sue... Um, and I are a part of ASA, which is Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. And she has just come out with a book that's coming out very shortly here in November um, called The Ten Best Decisions. Make sure I read I read this right. Ten Best Decisions a Single Mom Can Make. Um, Peggy Sue is a single mom, has been a single mom for 20 years. She is a history buff. She loves getting into the whys and the hows of a story. She uh, has written 29 books. I'm so impressed. I know, right? <laughs> she, I'm just trying um, to write one right I now. <laughs> <laughs> she is a writing coach. She's uh, has a extensive education and childbirth education and child education but the funnest thing that we just learned about peggy sue is that man this girl loves adventure so she has parasailed she scuba dives her daughter's a barrel racer but gosh darn it, she's just can't get her pilot's license. I know, slacker. <laughs> and she's been trying to take that test, so we're, we're going to pray that over her. Um, but Peggy Sue, I'm so excited to talk to you today, and I can't wait to hear um, more of this story and more about this book, because I too was raised by a single mom, not greatly, but there were some things that I learned from her as being a single mom, which is tenacity. And so... Um, so welcome, Peggy Sue. Hello, Peggy Sue. Thank you, Phyllis and Rhonda. It is so much fun to be with you. And I just have to say, it's the math. It's that four-letter <laughs> word, math. I just can't get it. Same. I never found X. I, I'm with you. I mean, if, as soon as they put a math test in front of me, I'm out. So. Um, I'm a girly girl all the yeah, way in that nope, sense. Nope. I know some girls that are great in math. I'm like, I am not yeah, one of I them. I am not one of them either. I think but. I took algebra my last semester in college because I didn't want to take it. I avoided it. Uh, so tell me, let's go back a little bit before we start talking about this amazing book. But um, tell me a little bit about how you grew up and uh, what your story is. Yeah, my grandmother, actually, if we start there, her uh, husband was, um, he was killed during World War II. And so my mm-hmm. mom spent some time growing up with my grandmother as a single mom. And then my mom uh, married young. And um, I was, you know, I came along when she was very young. And then uh, her and my dad split up. So you know, I was there with that single mom for quite a bit. Um, she remarried a couple of times, um, but, you know, it was just mostly in a single-parent home where I grew up. And then uh, I got married um, at 21 and was 
just like determined this was going to be, you know, forever and ever, this was going to be a marriage that lasted and really worked hard at it. And, um, it didn't turn out that way. It was, um, very disappointing to me because I really wanted to do this right. But, um, I have seven children, so we have six daughters and one son. And when my uh, youngest was a year old, um, their dad left. And so then I've been raising the kids by myself. So that's when I became a single mom, uh, mm. was 20 years ago because the youngest is now 21 and she's about to graduate college. Mm. So everybody's grown and I've got some grandbabies, but, um, yeah, it was not the life I would have chosen. It's not the ideal, but it is my real. Yeah. yeah. How long were you <laughs> married for? Uh, 20 some odd years. Wow. Yeah. So, um, probably about 25, I think. And I did this unusual thing. You know, we have weird laws that once you're divorced, then the state kind of steps in and says what you can and can't do. And there's a lot of, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, I stayed legally separated for a long time just because I had, you know, a little bit more say in how things went until, um, we went ahead and finalized. Mm. Mm. So, so you definitely have experience in this because all the way back through the Mm -hmm. generations, that's so crazy. And, um, and so I just will move forward to today. So, um, who is today's single mom? Right. Um, here's the thing, cause I really did this kind of, you know, dig in in this look as to who are, um, is Pam Farrell, who's my co-author, who are we writing this book for? And yeah. so here's the reality for single moms. Single moms are on a continuum because that means there's like a wide age range. And then they're also in various seasons of life. Mm. They are trying to figure out where they fit in society and particularly where we fit in the church. Yeah. We really wish the cleaning lady would, that would just pop in weekly and make everything clean and leave something delicious simmering in the oven. Mm. We generally feel isolated, judged and alone. Yeah. And we feel very far from alone. But here's the truth. We're not alone. One in four homes is single parent-led. And 85% of those, it's a single mom. So approximately there's 15 million single parents, solo parenting 22 million children. 85% of the single parent families are led by that single mom who's got primary custody of the children. 40% of single moms are over 40. Half are divorced or separated. More than half are raising one child. More than three-fourths have full-time careers. Mm. One-third of single-parent families live at or below poverty level. Mm. Less than half receive child support. The average yearly child support for a single mom is $6,000. And less than half of single moms receive government assistance. And the ones that do generally do it on a temporary basis until they get their feet under them and start getting a good income. And then they drop the government assistance. So that's the people that are the single moms generally that, you know, are living on your same street. And those Mm -hmm. are the women that we wrote the book for. Wow. Mm, You said a mouthful. I'm like, my mouth is dropping (sighs) open. So it's so funny because, um, I caught, you said, uh, $6,000 a year is what they get in child support most of the time, which is so true. Um, the statistic you said about going on government assistance, my mom, uh, ended up going on welfare because, Uh um, my dad was like, sending stuff when he could but he's a truck driver so it was in and out of our lives and so um 
yeah, I remember growing up extremely poor and just like waiting for a handout. You know, Mm -hmm. we got hand-me-down clothes and stuff like that. So I forgot about those days. It's so crazy. It just like bursted back in my brain when you started talking those statistics because it is a struggle for them. They don't always, you know, you're not talking about corporate women, you know, all Mm -hmm. the time that are going through this. It's just the regular um, working mom and how do you help raise yeah. these children and support them? So, yeah. And-, and things come up, you know, a lot of times, um, the, the medical insurance that's supposed to be in place, surprise, sometimes we show up at the doctor to find out, Oh, it's been dropped. Mm. And then there's those braces that need to get, you know, done. And there's the yeah. eyeglasses that need to get done. And some of the heroes that, um, I've encountered, have been like the orthodontist who said, yeah, just pay me per month. Just do what you can. And we're going to make sure that this kid gets good braces. So there are some wonderful situations where people understand. And the thing that I really adore about most single moms that I've come across is they're, they're tough and they're hard workers Mm -hmm. and they're going to stick in and they're going to get the job done. And they love their kids and they work Mm -hmm. really, really hard. They're not slackers. Right. Right. Yeah. So what do you exactly do you think the single mom needs the most of? I mean, support, and we know support, you know, because like you said, like you said, you wish they had a cleaning lady and a a chef that would come in and handle things. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And mostly that's what she needs. She needs first off, not to feel that she's alone. Mm -hmm. And We've had a situation in the church, like as I was growing up, that if you wound up being a single mom, you were pretty much ostracized in the church. And there's still a situation now where um, if you become a single mom, a lot of times it's like, well, but you can't teach Sunday school anymore. You can't do this. You can't do that. And um, I had a friend who was a teacher. uh, She was a professor at one of the universities and her husband would come and go, come and go. And finally he fell for divorce and left. And of course those things hit the newspaper and she was called in and said, you've lost your job. We're not going to have you at this Christian university. And she's like, this isn't isn't me, you know? And and I'm not a different person from I was yesterday before that happened. So exactly. So there's been like some stigmas that have been involved for single moms and there's less now. I'm very happy to say Um, the current generation of moms have done a lot of really hard work to break down and break through some glass ceilings. But there still is some stigma, and most of it is within evangelical church. Um, So what she really needs to know is that she's not judged and that she's not alone. And that's kind of really the biggest. She doesn't want to be treated differently. My best friends um, here in Indiana, which is where I live, they just like kept being my friends, you know, yeah. through all of this and didn't treat me any different. I was still invited to mm. all the things that we would have done. My kids were invited. My kids were included. They didn't treat me like I had some sort of a disease. And they're the ones that when I look at, oh, these are the people I can count on because they loved me. Those were the ones. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what single moms need most of all. Don't treat her different. Don't treat yeah. her weird. Don't treat her like, oh, we can't invite her because everybody's a couple and you're not. Just treat her like a person. And if she's not alone, you're going to see her really fly. Well, and you know, I think that's also hard. I have a, a really good girlfriend of mine that she's a widow and, you know, she does 
feel very isolated when she, you know, comes sometimes to like couples events because she's by herself. And so, but I think she made a good point is that we tend to not invite because we think like, oh, they're going to be by themselves Mm -hmm. and everyone else is coupled up. So we just won't invite them. And it's not because we're doing it because we don't like them. It's like, we think we're protecting them, but I love, you know, now I'm looking at this in a whole yeah. new light of saying like, we didn't even give you the opportunity, opportunity. to say yeah. yes or no. Yeah. Giving them the opportunity to say yes. And if they feel comfortable, great. And if they feel uncomfortable, that's okay too. You know, here's the hilarious part. Um, my, uh, my ex-husband traveled a lot, like the whole time we were married, he would be in a week, out a week, in a week, out a week. So I ended up doing a lot of things on my own yeah. because, you know, he was traveling right. and that was okay. I got used to doing things on my own. What I found fascinating was then once he left all those invitations to people that would invite us to come along and the church things that we would go to. They weren't there anymore once he was gone because of divorce. It was That's really, so really crazy. different. Yeah. Yeah. Like he wasn't there anyway. So why did it, you know, yeah. why did it matter if you went to a right. party, so, married so or divorced? Invite, invite your single mom families because don't worry about how she's going to feel. She's going to handle herself. Right. Trust me. All we want to do is we want to get together and we want to yeah. joke and we want to laugh. Yeah. And we just, you know, do life. And here's my description. Single parents have the same concerns as other parents because- we just like everybody else, we want we long to nurture above average healthy children who graduate with an ideal education, marry someone highly suitable, live abundant and contributing lives, and then include us in that invitation only Grammy Award Club when the most adorable grandbaby in the world is. <laughs> awesome. And at the same time, while we want the same things that other parents want. We're also trying to figure out how to complete taxes, where to shop for auto insurance, how to replace the shingles that are bad on my roof, and then also how to put glasses and braces on the kids. It's just same thing. You know, it's almost, it's just like that same airplane going in that same direction. We're just doing it with only one engine instead of two. Exactly. And that sounds way more exhausting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so kudos to you. Uh, so how how could we come alongside of a child who's a part of a solo parent family? There's um, another thing, too. Those children, and here's what happened when uh, their dad left, my kids were really, really humiliated. And they mm. said to me, Mom, can we not tell anybody? Aww. And I, I thought... I get it. I totally get it. And so I let the kids lead on that. And I said, I understand. I will wait until you guys feel comfortable. Now, I did have two really close friends who were my support. One was here in, you know, here in the neighborhood. And the other one was in California where I used to live. Mm -hmm. And so I had them that I could talk to and that they were, you know, they were there walking with me through this. My kids we, like I said, we were so embarrassed. We were so humiliated. And what it was, was we felt like we were not enough. We were not Mm. enough for someone to Mm. put out the effort to stay. We were not enough that someone would love us and, 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 you know, stay and be a family with us. And it was six months before each of my children, one at a time, found someone close in their circle that they confided that their dad didn't come home anymore, that he was not part of our household. But it took six months before each of them were able to do that. And the whole time we were really hoping he'd get whatever he needed to get done and counseling or whatever, and that he would come home, you know, and we had invited him home a couple of times. We really wanted to make it work. And so 
that's kind of the thing to understand is that the kids are so embarrassed. They are so humiliated. They feel so rejected. They feel like they're not enough. They're not good enough that they don't have someone who would love them the way other parents love their kids. And so again, it comes down to if you can include them, if you can not treat them like they're different, if you can not treat them that, you know, they stand out with like the big, you know, sign that says you know my parents are divorced on their chest right. but again bring them along like hey you know i'm picking up the kids to go to soccer practice can i pick up your kid hey mm. after soccer we're gonna go out for pizza can your kid come along one of the kindest things that someone would do was once in a while i had one kid that needed to be one place and another kid that had to be another place and when somebody would say hey you know i can pick up so and so to go to this i can pick them up for that practice it was like thank you so much yeah. and i always double checked with my kid because i'd look at him and go are you comfortable with this because yeah. every so often you're not there's a kid that you don't want to yeah right. like, don't make me go with that parent <laughs> exactly and as long as they said they were okay so that was really wonderful when somebody would do that yeah. i know another friend that we kind of walked through the single parenting thing together um when people would come alongside her and just you know just to the side to say hey can I get your kids winter coats you know hey can I um Mm. help your kids with a scholarship to that particular like music lessons for them and not that the kids knew that but just to make sure that those children got to do the same sort of activities that other kids get to do so they have the same advantages for moving forward Yeah. And I think, do you ever feel like maybe like sometimes a single mom has a hard time accepting the help? I mean, not everybody is in that place where they feel like if somebody offers that, there's a, yeah, there's a, yeah, like Mm -hmm. a, yeah. What would you like say to a single mom who's like, well, you know, I want to do it on my own. I think most of us are more about, um, I'm, I'm more embarrassed to ask, but Yeah. When someone has come and said, you know what, I prayed about this. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to offer this um, if if you'll you know allow me to. And it's always been thank you. That's the same thing I've been praying about. Mm. Wow. I love that. Okay, That's really good. Wow. Okay, that is. um, So how can the single mom nurture healthy relationships? What do you what do you recommend for a mom who's trying to do that and nurture those relationships? So are you wanting to talk about relationships outside the home or relationships with their kids? Because there's kind of like two different categories, but I would love to start with the kids if that's yeah, okay. Let's, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm curious to know how you nurtured each relationship with seven children. Right, with different personalities. so, like, hard. <laughs> I can't even imagine with not your spouse around to, you know, have to... Because I know each spirit is so different, you know, in each child and they each need something different from you. So how did you um, manage to carve out time for each one? There was a really fun way that God kind of like just gave me like this vision for my children that my children are not. There was that was it book years ago, children are wet cement. So like we mold them into the person that they're supposed to be. And I kind of like didn't. I didn't go that direction. I was sort of like, God gave me this child and this person comes into the world with a personality. There's there's the one that wants the pacifier and there's the one that wants their thumb and there's the one that wants to be rocked to sleep and there's the one that's like, could you just lay me down and walk away? Don't touch me. (laughs) Right? And there's there's the kid that's like crying because his diaper's wet and I'm like, you were nine months in, you know, amniotic fluid. Why are you complaining (laughs) that your diaper's wet? You know? And um, 
but they they come out so unique yeah. each, each of them like my son was taking the knobs off everything my girls wouldn't have, have considered that he's the mm. kid that chewed his sandwich into the shape of a gun you know yeah. rocket. and you know so you kind of so talented and you, right and you're like these kids they're unique i mean yeah. he's the one sliding stuff inside the vcr slot which you know again the girls never would have considered to do and it's it's just because God made each of them unique. And so what I would do with each of them is I would watch where are their interests. And there was two things that I did. I tried to expose them to as many opportunities as possible. So anything that we could do, any place we could go, anything that we could touch, anything that we could investigate, we did. And it was like throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. And so with some of the kids, like, you know, somebody loved music and somebody loved having pets and somebody wanted to do gardening and somebody else wanted to refinished furniture and sometimes it was a temporary thing mm-hmm. like my one daughter was like she was going to do you know landscape design so I'm like great here's a section of the yard knock yourself yeah. out <laughs> yeah. it up, girl. is that how you do <laughs> yeah. it okay and she she got you know we went to the library we got all the books and you know she did it and then after a while she was like okay been there done that I've accomplished it that's you know not my thing for life and off she went to the next thing and so um one of my kids was amazing with art and by the time she was like five or six years old I'm watching the stuff that she's drawing and I'm like well she's like way outdone me there's like no way I can still continue to teach this kid and so we went walking through a farmer's market and there was an artist that had all of her stuff there and this little this little seven eight years old stepped back took a look at the art that was there looked at me and said I could learn from that person and I'm like okay so I walked up to her and I said do you teach and she said yeah. And she's looking at me. And so I wrap my arm around my daughter's shoulders and I'm like, will you teach her? Mm. And there was like this split second hesitation yeah. while this little, while this little old lady who was a former teacher said, sure, bring her over. And we, you know, I took her the next week and we walk into the studio and I can hear her talking to her old lady friends that she's teaching. And she's like, I got a kid coming. The kid's going to sit next to me. I'm going to work with her <laughs> right next to me. And the following week I showed up and she's like, Esty, you go sit at the far end. If you need me, raise your hand. People that need help next to me. So what I did was I just like found where's their interest, what makes their eyes light up. I put them there until they either were done with it or until they wanted to just keep going in that direction. And that's that's, and that was so fun yeah and that's great that's great advice for like for any parent because i feel like a lot of times parents kids will you know because kids do they run through like phases they want to be you know a cook and then they want to do different you know they want to paint and it's like sometimes we pin them pigeonhole them into something that they're really not passionate about so it's like I think that's a really good lesson for parents to just be like, let them explore all things and figure out what they want to do. And a lot of times they don't know unless they've, you know, given it a shot. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's great for, well, we had one rule in our house where they had to, if they, if they signed up for a sport, they had to finish it Right. Right. At least the season. Because we paid for it. At least the season. uh, Right. But we would tell them, just try it out. And if you don't like it, then we don't ever have to go back again. And so, you know, it's such a great tool to teach your child to explore those different things because right away both my girls 
figured out well my youngest is good in everything and so she would dabble now she's mad at me now that she's an adult she's like why didn't you make me stick with ballet and I was like yeah a 15 year old that has the rolling eyes like I'm gonna drag you down to I'm gonna force you to do it (laughs) but um you know they they had the chance to really look at the things that gave them like Rhonda just said that passion Mm. I'm all about raising your kids with a passion because you're so right Peggy like each child is born uniquely the way they're supposed to be mm-hmm. we don't have to mold them into anything it's like they know that's their god-given yep. gifts are there from the day they're born so yep. we're just there for the ride yeah <laughs> um, and the thing that was that was fun with that was I wound up doing things that I wouldn't have ever even yeah. known about or explored but it was because I went with one of my kids and then my kids the other kids would support them they would be like hey you know mm. well we're gonna go to this for that kid and not for that kid and or we would just support them or when they would choose gifts for you know birthdays or Christmas they would do it co- according to what was you know the heart yeah. you know longing of that child at the time and the other thing that was interesting about that and the different paths that they would take at different times was that in a lot of ways it was therapy that they're working out their pain through you know they can like the daughter that you know had a dog a dog doesn't lie when a dog wants to be with you when a dog wags his tail and is happy to be with you that's genuine and when you're in the middle of relationships that are betraying you Mm. it's nice to know that your dog and your horse are going to be genuine and honest in how they feel about you and that was good for them it gave those kids um, when they were caring for their animals it gave them somebody that they could love and that they could love with abandon and And so there were things like that were that were really good and we had to put you two codicils one was I talked as much as possible to my children with respect because I wanted them to get used to that and Mm -hmm. I wanted them to be able to do it to others Mm -hmm. and to be consistent with these are, you know, the four rules of our home. And so those were the four and everybody knew it. And so we could do that. But then there was this other thing that we had to put in that I don't know that somebody who's not in a single home would have to do this, but I would have to say, there are times when you're going to be really happy because right now things are going good between like you and your dad or you and, Mm -hmm. you know, your whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, at that same moment, I could be in a lot of pain and one Mm -hmm. of your siblings can be in a tremendous anger situation right now. And so I said, with all of us, Whatever you're feeling, we will allow you to feel what you're feeling. And Mm. there's two things beside that. You will not insist that we change how we are feeling and you cannot take it out on the rest of us. And we really had to lay that down because, you know, when you've got really ugly situations with relationships that are busting up, they get really ugly and then all the rules are out the window and the part about, you know, I'm going to be fair or I'm going to treat you all the same or Mm -hmm. all that stuff, that all disappears and people are hurt in Mm. really deep ways. Mm. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you give the space to feel um, because I think a lot of times like people want to tell you you should feel like this mm-hmm. like you should you, you know you or should be yeah or don't feel like that, that way or you know and so to allow them to have not not as an excuse right. but as a this is your emotion and we're going to let you sit with that yeah. and that's okay yeah I like yeah. that I love so that. Peggy what is the single mom circle and how's it connected to your book Yeah, um, the Single Mom Circle just went live, and what it is, is it is a companion to go along with the 10 best decisions a single mom can make, because I wanted 
that the book's going to come out and it's kind of a handbook and it's got good, you know, practical tips and it's lots of hope and help to move forward. Mm -hmm. But then I wanted to also create a community where these moms can come together and we can share ideas and we can share tips and somebody can, you know, say, Hey, what's going on with this? And then there'd be the mom that comes home from work on Friday and she's exhausted and she's got to make dinner. She can pull up the kids page on this website, the single Mm -hmm. mom circle, and somebody on there is going to read a kid's book aloud. And in that 15 minutes, she can get dinner started. And then there's going to be on Saturday morning, there's going to be part of a serial novel. So she can just like early in the morning or maybe while her kids, you know, eating cereal or getting ready to watch a cartoon or something, she can read, you know, 20 pages of the novel and then, you know, just kind of like refresh yourself and move forward. And then there's all these links and resources to things about faith and emotions and things about Mm. physical um, care And if you find something on there that you really like this particular person and you like what they're saying and you want to know more, there's a link to that person and you can go there. And like you were saying, Phyllis, that we're part of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. Mm -hmm. These are authors that are awesome authors across the nation. And so a lot of them Mm -hmm. have sent me articles that have got great tips and helps for these moms and their families. So if you read that and you're like, whoa, I want to know more, or hey, this hits exactly where I am at this moment, there's the link to that author, and you go to their website, and you can get all the stuff more that you need, and you're connected with them now. So it's a it's a community, and it's resource-rich, and um, I want to keep being able to feed these moms so that that's they can awesome. be successful with their families. Wow, that's amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, that's amazing to have resources like that for mothers to be able to have that time to refresh, especially. Mm-hmm. So I have one last question for you. Um, so actually I have two, two last questions for you because, because you don't get away with not answering our standard our question for sure. Question. Um, so I'll ask you that one first before I ask this last one. Um, so what would you tell your 22 year old self? Yeah. Um, my 22 year old self had a lot of big expectations as to how life was going to go and that I was going to be strong enough to muscle it through and make the world happen the way I wanted it to. (laughs) And there's two things that I would tell myself. One is that things happen for me, not to me. God is not surprised Mm. that I wound up being uh, the mom of a single um, parent home. I was surprised he was not. Mm -hmm. And so the things, everything that happens in my life, I was really bitter about for a long time. Things didn't go the way I thought they should. And so therefore that must mean that God doesn't love me. And Mm. I'm the exception to everything that he says about his character in scripture. And so I did go to a mentor and work that stuff through. And I'm very thankful that I did. And for anybody who's thinking about it I just want you to know it's it's when not if that you we all need mentors and we all need people that can walk us through those tough places absolutely then to understand that whatever God was doing in my life it was because there were things about him that he wanted to teach me and that they're good things if I can just stay moldable in his hands the other thing was to and this is a big one. This is one. Uh, there's a whole chapter about this in uh, the ten best decisions a single mom can make, and I think it's probably worth the price of the book. But there are things that happen that are said or done, not said, not done, that I can look at it and feel rejected because of whatever was done or not done, said or not said. And in that moment where I feel rejected. 
Uh, the next step in that parade is that I go into, well, I'm feeling resentful to the person that I'm feeling rejected about. And then I can go into resistance and then I go into revenge and then I go into repeat because we're a family. So the best mm. example is one Saturday morning, my daughter Hannah got up and she's just grumpy around the house. And so I'm just doing the mom thing and I told jokes and I made her tea and I made her pancakes mm. and she just did not respond back to me. And so I immediately made up the story in my head that, Gosh, I stink as a mom. She'd rather be anywhere else on Saturday morning than here with me. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I feel rejected. Then I go into resentment about why well, I'm resenting that I'm feeling rejected and that nothing that I did changed her attitude towards yeah. me. So then I can go into resistance. Well, fine. You're not making eye contact yeah. with me. I'm not going to make eye contact with you, right? Because mm-hmm. that's mature. <laughs> and then and the next step in that parade is... Well, fine, I'm going to do the revenge thing. It's like, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you, which is like, so, like, when are you going to clean your room? What are your grades like? Are you keeping them above sea level? Do you see the little jabs wow. that come out? Mm-hmm. And then the next one is we go into repeat. So now she's, like, not going to talk to me exactly. because I'm not fun, and then I'm not talking to her because she wasn't fun, and so then we just repeat this cycle. So I notice this happening in my life over and over and over again, and this is where you wind up with those situations where, People get together on the holidays and they emotionally abuse one another and then have pie, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Because pumpkin pie makes everything better. better. We just won't talk about it. We'll just eat our feelings. And so I'm noticing this is what's happening in my life. And of course, there's that scripture about as far as possible, live at peace with everybody. And I'm like, well, I'm doing my part. Obviously, it's everybody else. And so... I kind of thought, you know what, God, the one common denominator in all these relationships is me. So maybe we need to like take a look at this. And I realized that I made up a story in my head. So here's what happened. I was learning this on this particular Saturday morning. I was learning these processes. And so rather than go into all the five R's, rather than start that parade, when she didn't respond back to me and when I started feeling I was running into those other five R's, I stopped myself and I said, you know what, Hannah? The story I'm making up in my head right now is that I stink as a mom and you'd rather be anywhere else than with me on Saturday morning. And she kind of like blinked, you know, and like looked up like she was coming to you. And she said, Mom, I just found out the little boy I babysit for has leukemia. Um. Right. It had nothing to do with me at all. And I have found this in my career. I found this professionally, like when I got two books published by my first publisher and when they turned down my next two ideas, I made up a story in my head. Oh, you don't want to work with me anymore, right? And Mm -hmm. so that wasn't the truth at all. And so I had to say that in order to really, if I could do my life over, if I could go back and do a rewind, I would say those moments when I feel that rejection, if I stop it right then and go back and stick to the facts, what are the facts? The facts are Hannah's grousing around the house this morning. The facts are, yeah, they turned down my next two ideas at the publishing house. Those are the facts. Mm -hmm. If I stop at the facts and don't make up a story, my life is a whole lot better. And so is everybody else's because the truth of it is none of us are really all that involved in each other. We're just trying to live our lives. Yeah, I think that's, I think that is, that's just beautiful. And I love that because you said rejected, resented, resistance, revenge, repeat. And I, I do feel like we make up stories in our heads sometimes about 
where people are. Um, I know that I've done it before. I know that one time, I, I think I even posted about it, that I said that one time I was walking through a hotel at an event that we had for work and I had my daughter with me and I had her closed really close to me. And I was kind of concerned about her and this woman that I work with walked past us. I saw her, but I didn't acknowledge her. And she later came to me and she was like, are you mad at me, Rhonda? And I was like, no, why would you think that? She goes, well, I saw you in the hallway and you kind of grabbed your daughter close and walked right past me. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, I was just trying to like get her to where she needed to go. And it had nothing to do with her whatsoever. But I think a lot of times we do that to people and we, well, you we said, cause she conflict. said a mouthful when she said rejection, right? I think when we feel rejected immediately, we go into story, right? Yeah. Yeah. So totally. And, and the story that we tell ourselves is is never a good one. Yeah, yeah right? True. Like, we're never like, Do not oh, listen she was to just your... busy. <laughs> Don't listen to your own story. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And here's the thing that's so funny is people are like, oh, you're such a good author, you know, because I, I, I wrote novels. I write fiction as well as nonfiction. Like, oh, you're such, you, know, you make up such great stories. I'm like, so do you. <laughs> yeah. We all have all them in our head. Yeah. Little do all we know that everyone is an author. Are... Oh, that's yeah. funny. We're all it's authors fiction. in a weird way. Oh, too funny. Oh, my goodness. Well, where can people find the 10 best decisions a single mom can make? Yes, please uh, go to Amazon and get uh, 10 best decisions a single mom can make. If you send me a copy of the receipt that you um, purchased the book, send me that on my email, which is just Peggy Sue Wells at Gmail. And then I will send you an ebook for Homeless for the Holidays. We're about to launch into that. It's a lovely novella I wrote years ago. And so I will send you that ebook. So you get two books for the price of one. But it is available on Amazon. It's also on Barnes and Noble. You can order it through any bookstore and it's on christianbook.com. I think they've got it actually for maybe a lower price um, at the moment. So yeah, any of your normal places that you go to find a book, you'll find the 10 best decisions a single mom can make. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We have enjoyed. I know this was an amazing conversation. (laughs) And where can they find you on social media? Are you on social media and where can they find you there? Yes, please um, come to Single Mom Circle if you want to like pop in. And if you have ideas for things you'd like to see there, let me know. But you can always reach me on Facebook at just Peggy Sue Wells, um, LinkedIn, Peggy Sue Wells. And even my email is just Peggy Sue Wells at Gmail. I know it's not, you know, not really creative, <laughs> but it's like I have a hard time remembering my name. So yeah. well, my name. It's easy for people to find you, though. So that's a good thing. <laughs> right? Well, thank you so yeah. much for being part of our show today. You were just a wealth of knowledge and we really appreciate you and 24 Carat tribe thank you so much for listening and liking our show and subscribing and we want to remind you to review because that helps us so review review i also want to remind you guys that we are now on iHeartRadio, so that is another platform that you're able to listen to our show go follow us on our facebook page 24 Carat conversations and until next time 24 Carat tribe sparkle on bye peeps. bye